0: And welcome to Play to Find Out, a Dungeon World podcast from the Dungeon World Discord. I am Arthur, Art Projects, on the forums. And I
1: am Eamon, Voidlight, on the forums. So, I'm at home now, Art. And I've been using my younger siblings as a bit of a guinea pig group. I asked them if they would prefer to play one ongoing campaign during the time that I'm home for break, or to, like, bounce around different systems and try things out, and they said they would like to mix it up. So I've been playing not just Dungeon World, but uh, several different things and trying to spice it around. I played a session most recently of Maze Rats, which we talked about a little bit in um, one of our previous episodes, um, and about some of the creators' other work. But it's a very, um, dungeon world, um, sort of sibling system that it takes some things that dungeon world took from D and D, but not other things. One notable change for me is that, uh, in combat, you just roll a single roll instead of rolling once for attack and once for damage. And it's basically you roll and however much you beat their armor by, mm-hmm. if you do at all is how much damage you do. So it's like, kind of like you take the difference, um, and, uh, the, the, the single moment fictionally that I want to call out was a moment when my players were trying to escape from, uh, a rival wizard's, um, tower. They, they were hired by one faction to rob another. Mm-hmm. Um, this was all randomly generated as per, as per the, uh, the, the rules of Maze Rats. And one character had cast a spell and, um, sort of thinking about what we had talked about in our spells episode, I wanted to give this spell, since they rolled really well on it, I would just, it essentially lasted for the duration of the whole session. Um It was basically, they cast a, a circle of silence around this whole place. So I had it where, like, if they were in certain rooms, they were kind of clipping into the boundary of the circle of silence, and, like, they could not make any noise, and no noise could be transmitted to them, and the whole world was silent. And during the time that they had spent inside of this tower or in the dungeon... Uh, th- the fact that there was this random circle of silence around here had become an attraction over the past several hours, and a- an impromptu circus had been set up inside of it, like, just doing these, like, feats in the sort of, like, um, eerie stillness of silence. And so they escaped by, like, jumping onto a giant trampoline that a bunch of people were holding and trying to become part of the circus, and that was a highlight for me.
0: That sounds fantastic. And what a cool way to use some of the stuff we talked about last week in a um you know in new play so with that um why don't we talk a little bit about something uh something that's been on my mind a lot recently uh and that i suspect any dungeon world gm with a with a consistent group of people that they play with um has run into and that's what to do when a player is missing um so that'll be our gm academy for today
1: This one is a super interesting topic, Art. I'm so glad you suggested it because it gets at what for me I think is um, a weakness of role playing games as a medium, and those are important to identify so that you can, like, know how to approach them. Because video games don't really have a problem with this, do they? You know, like, I mean, a lot of games are designed that, like, drop in and drop out play, you know, just happens and matchmaker plays the thing. And some games even take away communication from you that you don't notice that much, you know. Like yeah, I've been, playing,
0: like, I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2 lately, which is a game that really oh, lets yeah. you play multiplayer like cooperatively with your friends, but very deliberately is designed so that you can just lose track of where they are and what they're doing and go off and, and do your own thing. it doesn't matter that much, and, yeah. And it really doesn't matter at all. I've played through the first time totally solo, I've played. I played through the second time with a friend of mine, and you know, you can't... It's hard to make a role-playing game that works in the same way, with the dropping it in and dropping really out. It really is. So... I think that there are a few different ways that I've ha- so there are a few different ways that I've handled this in the past and then there are a few different ways that I have seen sort of suggested um apart from those and I, I thought we would just kind of run through a couple of the strategies that we've used and the strategies we like and then sort of run through the pros and cons there. Um I want to
1: cut um the conversation into two parts before we get into it because I think what we're trying to talk about here is not how to design games that are good at this. But, mm-hmm. um, with the games we already know and love, how to sort of, um, mitigate those problems. Yeah. How do you because make it I work seen, in dungeon world? I mean, I have seen some, some games that like are designed for this to like not be an issue. Like there was a mm-hmm. design in one of the, um, the first issues of Codex that the Gauntlet community put out and Codex Iron, I believe, where it was called Wind on the Path. And the game was designed for multiple people, but at any given time, only two are playing. And you're just these two samurai that duel each other. And then the mm-hmm. winner goes and like roams for another samurai to duel. So, like, it's total drop in, drop out, you know, be just by nature of that game. But in right. Dungeon World, especially with ongoing campaigns, I think the main issue that we're going to be talking about is continuity. You're like, this yes. guy was just here. Where did he go? You know, absolutely.
0: That's what, yeah. So, there are a few places where Dungeon World really mechanically uh, infers that you're going to be. In a consistent group that's getting back together over and over again, and I think the the core mechanic that makes that true is you know in the vanilla bond system. Um, if I am playing in a group where half of the where I can never rely on there being a particular person there in any given session, then I will naturally not you know get XP from the bond that I have with that player. Which, yeah. you know, when, when there's a sort of mixed group and you don't have a bond with every other character, you do end up, you know, seeing that, you know, session after session, we have this this connection between two characters that never gets resolved because the characters just aren't there. But, it's, even more importantly than that, the fiction suffers when a player isn't there, when a character isn't there. Yeah, so, that, I
1: think that's... What really gets to people is that it feels um, the the immersion's broken.
0: You know, You're, the immersion it, is totally broken. Yeah. Um,
1: so, Do you want to offer some offer some strategies?
0: Yeah. So strategy number one, which is uh, which I have had mixed success with, is taking over a player character as the GM, Um and I've only ha- I've only done this once. Um this was in m- a shorter campaign that I was doing with some friends a couple of months back where one of the players the only time throughout the whole campaign that a player couldn't make it. Um it was kind of a last minute thing and it just worked out that way and we had to deal. So I um uh, I played that character for the night, which worked out okay because we had in the previous sessions kind of established a fictional position where it made sense for that character to be a little bit out of sorts and a little bit scatterbrained and the way that i ended up playing him in order to avoid playing the character as much as i could was i just had him continually running off from the main group and leading the way and blazing a trail literally he was an immolator. um and just getting getting distance between the character that i was now taking over and the rest of the group to limit the potential for group interactions that the uh that the, the actual player would then have to understand when he returned okay um, and The main drawback that I feel like is there, well, there there are two drawbacks, one of which, of course, is that you aren't the player, and so any choice that you make might not be what the player would have done, and that can be sort of... Painful for the player to come back into after the fact. Um, yeah, but then, that,
1: that's certainly the most fraught of of, of yeah. possible ways to to handle it, and, yeah, and which it, makes sense that it's a last resort.
0: Totally, it's very straightforward, and it's like it's very obviously, well, oh, I play all the other characters, so why don't I just play this extra one? But then there's that extra piece of, well, now you have to think about the game as a player and a GM at the same time, and since the rules that govern a player versus the GM are so different. If you want to play the player character as a player character, that's one thing. If you just want the player character to be a sort of a, a vessel through which all of your GM moves can happen, that is that that can happen, but it's not uh, it's not satisfying for anybody involved. So this I'm going to make a strong a strong a strong statement here, which is that this should not be the way that you approach a missing player in your games ever.
1: Certainly not. I, I would say to to play them as a player character. Um, yeah. I could see like converting them into an NPC, especially if the person was gone permanently. Um. Uh. You know, and and then maybe that could be a, a ve- like a very last resort if they were just gone for a, a temporary basis to convert them to an NPC. But that should be done with the full communication with the player of here's what's going to establish some sort of contract mm-hmm. like. What would they feel like if their character died while they were gone? You know, like some people would be okay with that as long as they really got a full account of what happens, as long as it was fictionally right. satisfying. But other people are really not okay with that and want to safeguard their character somehow. And that really comes down to what is you and your group like? Because some people are really protective of their PCs that like they are not having fun if their PC isn't like yeah. given, you know, a certain spotlight and has some sort of amount of plot armor where other people are okay with, you know, an inglorious death, you know, but, um, i think that the um go ahead go ahead
0: well i do think that brings us to option number two which is you set the you set the consequence at the beginning of any campaign that if you miss a a session the thing that will happen is your character dies now i don't like this i don't like i don't think this is a particularly good way to do it but like not necessarily automatically but in a fictionally sensible justifiable way as the first thing that happens in the session um
1: Oh, so if they miss a session,
0: like they die, exactly. no matter what. Um, no, I don't think that this. I don't think that this always that's, works.
1: That's pretty hard. But I do yeah. think
0: that there is one place where it can work, which is in a campaign where you are deliberately trying to churn through player characters um, as a group.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Um,
0: yeah. Something where yes, you might not come back to the same character that you started with, um, but also most of the rest of the group is also coming back as new characters because they also died that session. Um, I don't know if you've ever. If... I think something. Uh,
1: yeah. I have. I've played. I've played in games like this. I haven't levied that specific rule, but um, in games like that, one thing that I've hel- found helps people not get to attach the characters is make multiple mm-hmm. characters from the get go. I typically have them drop two player characters in our session zero, and just like um, for, with the knowledge that like one of these will certainly die. Yeah, absolutely. Point. You know, uh, you know, not 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 like oh, I'm so hard, like I'm gonna kill them. You know, but. It's just statistically mm-hmm. likely like I've had that I've had that like, you know, where they survived to the end, but it just puts it in their mind from the beginning that like this is that Absolutely. sort of game. Um, another advantage you have if you're already thinking about this at the start of a campaign is to design the campaign to be sensitive to that type of thing fictionally, which I've seen done in some really interesting ways. Um, and then we, maybe we can talk about some strategies of like, what if you're really mm-hmm. up against the wall? But um this is something that, just because of life circumstances, I n- have known for the past several years That has going to be a recurring beast in a lot of my games. Uh, You know, this beast of time schedules and what is the group going to look like on any given night. And I've been faced with multiple choices um and different groups that I'm with, depending on whether I'm GMing or not, have approached it in different ways. I have one group that would rather sacrifice playtime than to ever be a part. So we play... Almost like mm-hmm. once a month, um, if not less frequently, because of that fact. Like w- only when we can get everyone together do we go for it because they don't want to ever leave someone out. Um And I mean, that's just the choice of that group, you know, and they kind of make up for it by trying mm-hmm. to have really long sessions, which some people prefer and some don't, you know, on the tune of like six plus hours. Um, But then I have some other groups going where I'm the GM. And we've stated, like, we just want to play, you know, and we're, we're okay with playing with whoever's there, both with people missing or with people dropping in. And so I try to make the campaign amiable to that mm-hmm. since I knew that from the beginning. And there were many ideas I mulled over that I pitched to them that could make yeah. that work. Some of them, um, more offbeat than others. Um, and I've seen them work in different ways. Um, one thing that I'll give credit to that wasn't an idea I came up with was I was watching in an actual place somewhere. And I don't remember exactly where, um, but they said that their campaign had this thing where there was a, uh, this sort of cosmic force the players were fighting. And part of the thing was that these, these bubbles of purple energy would like come into the world and sort of like take out chunks of the world for a while and they would pop back in somewhere else. And during the interstitial period, the person might experience a thousand years or they might experience a couple minutes, like if they mm-hmm. were caught in that bubble. And so whenever a PC would miss a session, they'd just say like, Oh, they were trapped by one of these bubbles and they've been taken into like the unknown and maybe they'll like pop back in, you know. And that's so like, that sort of just fit with their fiction perfectly because that was how it worked. Um, additionally, the, uh, the upcoming invisible sun role playing game, uh, has it within the fiction that the whole game is taking place in a reality that's layered on top of our own, and it is possible if you lose focus and clarity to fade back into the shadow, which is the fake reality. So sometimes if someone misses a session, they might just say, Oh, they mm-hmm. faded into shadow for then a they'll while be back. Uh, in some of my sessions, I've done it where at the end of every session, um, and this is a little bit more e- easy, easier to port into any game than than those ones that i just said which are sort of cosmic solutions um where you try to set it up narratively where at the end of every session your characters are back at some sort of base and then they're venturing out at the uh, at the beginning of the next session because then you can just say like the team that was selected for this specific mission is the people that are here mm-hmm. and those other people are just yeah. at base you know or something like that or or they're on a ship and then they descend you know or uh, to do their missions um i've had it where everyone is on a game show and on any specific episode like the only people that get selected to like compete are the people that are there so that 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 gives you a bit of flexibility from the yeah. get go so create. have you done anything of that sort like like pre like in session 0 already trying to
0: put yeah, some creating some sort some of a, a time moves weirdly in lord ran kind of uh opening dark soul style um yeah creating yeah, a fictional yeah. justification for players to not be around is like a really good thing to do early if you're worried about that. And it's something that I need to be better about because I have missed.
1: Especially in a college yes. setting or in like a, a setting where you just, cause some people are mm-hmm. blessed with a gaming group that can stick together for yeah. five years, you know, and
0: stuff But like not that, all of us. Um, so no, th- there, so there have been a couple of other strategies that I've used that I'm a lot happier with than the, uh, the first couple that we, that we picked apart. Um, one of my favorites that i've used is to take the opportunity when a player is missing to do a side story or to do a um a prequel or a smaller other adventure that is outside of the main continuity but still counts for experience and whatnot um towards the player character when we all get back together again and i think the most fun i had with this there was a uh, there was a long weekend where we wanted to play a session as a whole group but Half of us could, couldn't could make it on the Monday and half of us couldn't make it on the Sunday and no one could make it on the Saturday. So we decided, well, who here can play both days? Two of, two of the players could play both days. Two of the players could only play on day one. One of the players could only play on day two. So we had the two players that played both days uh, roll new characters for day one and go with the the two players that could only be there for the day one session set the four of them up in a party and had them pull off a heist, pull off a robbery and burn a, a manor to the ground. And then the next day we picked up with the player who wasn't there, who was a paladin coming in and trying to solve the crime that had occurred the night before with oh, the tight. two players that yeah. were there both nights playing their original characters as opposed to their uh, their one-shot characters from the night before. And then the the arc of that session became tracking down the four the four characters from the night before and killing the two PCs now NPCs that the player characters had been the night before so we had i had them create characters and then deliberately positioned them so that they would have you know the opportunity to to either bring them to justice or summarily dispatch them um which ended up being a lot of fun um because the
1: Nice. That sounds like a really satisfying like arc to uh Yeah, to de- And it was like
0: fun that. to just get a chance to to step into a different set of of player characters and then see their arc through. Um because it encouraged it, I didn't tell the the players beforehand that this would be what would happen, but they did set up some really just obnoxious and terrible PCs that were very satisfying to have a like um to 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 finalize conflict with but we're also a lot of fun to play and a lot of fun to to have go through this heist and and brutally dispatch this local uh this local lord and burn down his castle and all that good stuff
1: that's like it's cool when you have those villains and you like saw how they became so you know like you their their story is organic you know in that that is really I really do appreciate that stroke specifically because you're turning that weakness of role playing games into a Mm. way to show their strengths, which is that you can have those stories just evolve organically and that they can be player input too, you know, that, that, that was something that like, if you were running it out of an adventure book, wouldn't be as genuine as the fact that they played both sides and set that up and certain people were there. And so that's, it it was also just fun
0: to watch the two PCs going through a crime scene investigation with the paladin um, knowing exactly what had transpired, and also watching the dawning realization on the paladin's part that the two other players in the group had been on the other side of this the night before. Um, uh, that was that was. <laughs> a,
1: There's a lot of in character and out of character, yeah,
0: like a, 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 l- a little bit of meta narrative that happened, fun. but yeah. it, it, it transitioned into like real, like understanding, which was a lot of fun. So that's that's one option, and then really the final fun. option requires a lot of discipline on our part as gms um they're the final option that i can think of uh but this is also the one that i like best which is just make sure that every single session starts and ends in a place where it would make sense for someone not to show up next time in fiction where you can justify yeah. where they were doing it because they had a reason to leave the group that's really really doable if you have like a what what I think of as a ship game where everyone returns to one mode of transportation or one yeah. group, one convoy, whatever it happens to be between missions and would have a reason to to stay with that while everyone else is out on the next quest. Um, but it's also that, that doesn't work for every game. You know, if you're not running a game, if you're running a game where the the core challenge is we as a group must navigate this wild, hostile place together then that doesn't work. But if you're running something where we as a group are are hanging out on this merchant vessel and then every time we come to port we have a little adventure, then sometimes it just makes sense to stay behind.
1: I um I, I touched on that a little bit earlier. Um and one of the games that kind of taught me a lot about this um was actually a video game, but a video game that was in itself inspired by a lot of role playing games mm-hmm. called Shadowrun. I Run. know a little bit you about Shadowrun, Shadow Run. yeah. Um not Shadowrun the the role playing system but Shadowrun, the series of games that were, I mean, a reboot series of games mm-hmm. by Harebrain Schemes, uh, that goes Shadowrun Returns, Shadowrun Dragonfall, and Shadowrun Hong Kong yes. in the order. But, uh, in all three games, and most prominently in Shadowrun Hong Kong, you have a home base, like your own, um, like hideout and, and your own, like, neighborhood. And then when you go out on missions, you're only allowed to mm. take four people out of your roster of, like, six characters or even more. And so you have to choose, like, who's coming on this specific mission. And so it kind of got in my head, like, okay, like, some people obviously have to maintain the base and whatnot and, you know, and NPCs. And so sometimes, um, and what you can do even in the ship-type game, is create a series of NPCs that are sort of, like, with the party, uh, um, like, very often, uh, but they often stay behind, and then in the times that a player character isn't there, just slot in one of those NPCs and be like, oh, it was his data." like, actually be on the mission, you know? Um And then, like, and then you can kind of think, like, TV episodes where there's this cast of main characters, but you don't uh, always mm-hmm. see every person on screen in every episode, yeah. especially in something like Game of Thrones, because the, the narrative kind of softly shifts, like, this person's going to kind of, we're going to flesh out their story a little bit, or flesh out their story a little bit. Um And it also allows you to not have to touch mm-hmm. the other person's character, not have to Really? Yeah, it's get also in on a that, great opportunity but,
0: um, to use the hireling rules, which I feel like are very uh yeah. not exactly unpopular, but I, I feel like games don't often use hirelings as to their full like potential, which maybe that'll be something we can talk about on a later oh, episode. I love hirelings. hirelings are great. Yeah.
1: In fact, I think this is a good segue into our
0: meta talk. Metatalk.
1: talk. So, what we had thought to talk about in MetaTalk for this week is um, community content uh, surrounding the uh, the Dungeon World um, game that has become uh, very beloved or integral, and uh, specifically uh, certain supplements and also zines, um, which, for those unfamiliar with the term, is the sort of internet-evolved uh, slang for a web magazine, uh, Z-I-N-E and uh it's it's a very sort of hot thing with role playing games in dungeon world specifically um but the reason why I said it was a good segue last session is because um I began thinking of the perilous wilds uh expansion or or a supplement i should say um which provides uh, a, n- a new take on the hirelings rules that really makes them more attractive or at least did when i first read it. Um and other things like that different supplements can really take different parts of the game and really flesh them out. And perilous wilds that was part of its goal to flesh out hirelings and also to flesh out uh the make mm-hmm. a perilous journey move and to just make traveling fun. And it, it, if you and um especially on our sort of the home that we've come out of which is the dungeon world uh discord uh, perilous wilds is is highly acclaimed and is considered by many to be sort of like non official canon in terms of like a it's a must a read for the dungeon world when you play. DM, yeah, it is. Um, and it uh it allows specifically with the hirelings for some really fun things. Like you give the PC like four or five hirelings, and then they ha- they can mm-hmm. only take one or two, and then they have to conduct like an interview with them, or they have to have tryouts. Like those are always hilarious and fun scenes to have them sort of make that decision by actually interacting with them and being like, Oh, who's this guy? You know, is he going to help us and whatnot? Um, do you want to call out anything, um, in terms of supplements before we start yeah, getting well, into, I scenes? mean, the
0: perilous wilds is of course, a, an unambiguous classic. Um, one of the first dungeon world campaigns I played made pretty liberal use of it. Um, and I'm trying to think there, there was a, there's a collection of compendium classes and uh and supplemental classes that my group quite likes and I believe it's called Lore and Lords, Lore and Lords, um which is Yeah, yes, that's from a I, series, it, actually it, it is the one from the series that really jumped out to us as the perfect thing to use in a recent game that we all played. So um there's a big shout out to that uh that pack with just some really clever takes. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about the uh, the the mage variants or the, the spellcasting variants that it comes with in our last episode spellcasting. So uh, go check that out for a little bit more uh, of our opinions on cool spellcasting supplements and community created material.
1: So with the zines, um, there seems to be a group of creatives, because as we know, RPGs attract, um, the creative types, um, uh, who have taken it upon themselves, especially in this past year, specifically in 20, um, 2017, and also a little bit in 2016, um, have taken it upon themselves to produce, uh, zines on a regular schedule and a series of four or five of these different creators and their creations have really, um, been, uh, remained with it and stayed consistent and actually produced a bevy of like um either monthly or bi-monthly or whatever schedule they held them to zines and created some really s- impressive projects especially for people that are doing this non-professionally that are maybe collecting um you know a, a little bit of income over Patreon um or just offering this for a completely optional donation where their the the art is very professional they're very nicely laid out and I'd like to call out in specifically uh, codex from the uh, gauntlet community uh which is notable for its uh use of a different color scheme and a different um narrative not not narrative per se but a theme for each episode where like they have they have iron um and crystal and hell for one of their themes and decay and time and the episodes the 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 issues try to pull together um different uh suggestions for games dungeon starters other small rpgs that can be written in here um, that all support that theme uh, and and others that are more focused on dungeon world specifically i would like to call out uh, plundergrounds which is uh, ray otis's um, creation uh, which uh, produced i believe six issues this year and that one was focusing on a different sort of Style of campaign for each one there was ape City was the first one, which is sort of a a jungle and like a weird science campaign uh then there was uh the caves of, of karzak and i'm I'm probably saying that wrong, which was for the the dungeon delving and like ancient dwarven and like ancient like deep monsters style of 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 game that provided a lot of material for that and there was one about dragons and the most recent one um it's called the Far Arrhenius, which is, and I had to look up how to say that, but, um, the Far Arrhenius w- is for this exact type of game that we were talking about in the GM Academy segment this week, which is, um, a ship-based game that this is, uh, providing material for players to have a game, um, in a hub where lots of people are traveling, whether that is over water or sailing the Aether, you know, in sort of an astral spelljammer-esque campaign. And is really, really cool, especially for creating a very, like, a city setting that allows you to venture out into the unknown um other good ones are the uh there's a, a campaign uh, a zine called Swordbreaker, um and a couple others do you have any personal favorites that you actually like use in in your games
0: i have an unsatisfying Art. answer to this question which is no uh i am not anywhere near as hooked into the the, the community at large um by virtue, mostly of my own ignorance, so I'm, I'm just kind of sitting back and enjoying a nice, uh, educational experience right now myself. As I'm sure many of you are out there in listening I'd land. I'd say,
1: uh, oh, I'd say that if you're gonna start anywhere, I'd say start with, uh, Plundergrounds. Because, uh, they, for one, they're mm-hmm. exclusively dungeon worlds before you start branching out, whereas, um, certain other of these zines are sitting at a nexus, especially the gauntlet ones of, A community that enjoys many Mm -hmm. many rpgs and those are people who for whom uh like you know terms like oh blades in the dark you know and and monster hearts they're like oh these are just household names but for for other of us we're like maybe dungeon world is our first role-playing game in general or a first step outside of D D. so i'd recommend plundergrounds because it's very much trying to produce content for dungeon world which is um more rare than it is for fifth edition where we have like a million mm-hmm. adventures dumped on us. Um, but also really nice. When, like the stat blocks are there. You know, that's comfortable for a lot of people. They don't have to like run monsters statless, which is, uh, we could talk about maybe another episode, which is, um, frightening for some people. But, um, Plundergrounds is very focused that, uh, Ray, Ray specifically is very strict about like what he's going to allow into a specific episode, mm-hmm. uh, issue based on like, does it support this theme that he's thought of? And additionally, they're very easy to digest that um, he doesn't they they don't have a story to them. Like, it's not like there is a a a narrative that's flowing through a specific issue that your players have to follow. It's just a collection of bits and pieces that you can slot in anywhere, which is like masterful GM prep that has been done for you. So you can be like, do I need an NPC? Oh, here's a really awesome NPC that someone made. I can just like put him in this next bar. You know, you really need a characterful monster. Oh, here's one, you know, and just put him in there. And do I need a story thread? Sometimes he'll have, like, old tables of just, like, this could be happening or that could be happening. Specifically in this last one, and I would like to talk about um, the crowdsourcing elements of it, he wanted to make a massive amount of uh, just little descriptions of, of characterful captains and, and, and their ships and of uh, different, like, religious factions and their their gods or different... Um, Uh, like smugglers and like what they might be trading. And so he asked, uh, his, his Patreon followers like, Hey, suggest me some of these. And if I like yours, it'll get in the, uh, it'll get in the zine. And he got tons of really characterful suggestions. And, um, I suggested one. I suggested the name of uh, a god and, and, and of his high priest and like what his temple would be like and whatnot. And it actually got in. And it was nice because I had, um, I had made the name of that god and the name of that uh you know the different things that i had called out like subtle references to player characters oh. in my other games and so now they're kind of honored yeah now that they're, they're kind of honored yeah. by like being immortalized in this small way in that scene um and it's a win win because other people can now use those ideas you know in like a little ready made format of like hey you want to slot this in there somewhere and it's it's a delight to read because it's um it's all the joy for me of reading um supplements without having to read through like massive descriptions of like here's how many tables are in this room and here's how many this and that like it's only the interesting bits you know which is kind of amazing it's like a reader's digest of a world and then you can fill in everything else yourself which is i think what at least in my personal jamming philosophy what good dungeon world uh resources and prep yeah like, that, that sounds absolutely
0: like. fantastic um, and I'm sure that if that I were to go in and read these, which I think I know what I'm doing on my train ride home on uh, on Friday, um, I will absolutely be using those to picture something like this in our next segment, picture this, which I just tried to segue into awkwardly. <laughs> Like you to picture elves <laughs> as cats when you're running your game. Think about what a cat would do. Well, they would be sort of disinterested, aloof, off in their own world, like an elf. They would be kind of preening themselves, constantly trying to keep themselves perfect and and beautiful and eth- ethereal in their beauty. So go go one step further with that. In a game that I recently ran that I really I, I enjoyed we had a lot of elves doing a lot of cat-like things. For instance, jumping from great height and always landing comfortably on their feet, no matter the height from which they or they originated. Uh, we also had them hate water. Um, so I'd like you to th- think about that for your next game. Can elves be more like cats? And the answer
1: is yes, always. My mind is taking this in the direction where in almost a mouse guard direction where like all the races are reimagined as like animal counterparts. And now I'm, I'm trying to be like, you know, would humans be rats (laughs) or would humans be dogs or or are the dwarves, the dogs, you know, like this is, this is fascinating. I I will think more about this.
0: Great. So with that in mind, this would ordinarily be the part of the show where we would jump to, uh, the community at large and read some emails from our listeners and answer their questions. But, this uh, episode we are recording uh, right now is actually before our first episode has been released. So we don't have any emails yet, I presume. Amen? Oh.
1: We don't. I'm looking at the inbox. It is sadly I'm just going to write an
0: email empty. just to, just so that we have it for next time. But hopefully this will be the last episode. <laughs> feel like
1: a, a hopefully this will the be audience. the last episode
0: before we start getting real emails. So if you like what you've heard, don't like what you've heard... Or just want to say something back to us about what you've heard? Send us an email. What's that address again?
1: It is play to find out at protonmail and that is p l a y t o f i n d o u t at protonmail p
0: r o t o n m a i l dot com. So we'll be looking out for your messages. Anyway, that's going to do it for us this week on Play to Find Out. Once again, I've been Arthur Berman, your co host, uh, Art Projects on the Dungeon World Discord. And I've been Eamon uh, Voidlight on the Discord, your co host. Well, Eamon, it's been a pleasure to have you at the table this week.